Welcome to Daredevil Rewind. Today I bring you in this episode the man of the hour, the tower of power, my my uh, yin and yang. You've heard him before. You've heard him with me. His name is Tony Sindelar. Hello, one nerd. Hello, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I, br- I, I brought you Tony because, frankly, uh, these three episodes that we're covering need some critical thought. And you uh, bring to the table a lot of critical means, and you're able to wade through, even when things are bad, you're able to see the bright side, but you're not afraid to tell the truth. I I like to think so. That's right. Yeah, so we're covering uh, 10, 11, and 12, so just one short shy of the whole whole season here. a lot happens in these. I think there's definitely there's there's some exciting stuff. There's a lot of ramping up of uh, of action, um, and there's some good stuff. And then there's uh, there's some stuff I would describe as uh, not so good stuff. Uh, and I guess we'll talk about both, right? That's right. That's right. So we'll start with the Man in the Box, episode ten, and we are kind of flashing right in that children are being harvested for their blood in some capacity. Um, we also get to see a little more Kingpin and yep. we get nurse Claire who we haven't seen. I don't believe since, well, no, we might've seen her the episode prior. Yes. We definitely seen her this season, but we haven't seen her in a little while. Um, so, or maybe we saw her the episode before, but we, we this was kind of the big Claire episode for the season, right? Um, in, in terms of they're in the hospital. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff going on in the hospital because uh, 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 Foggy is going to end up in the same hospital, and uh, and and uh, they've got all the, uh, the the patients from the uh, the hands, uh, whatever they're doing in the basement there, <laughs> draining people of blood. Um, so a lot of time in the hospital in these three episodes. Yeah, and you know, I think in this this season there have been some not necessarily hand waves, but simply like non explanations like we really don't know what's going on with these kids no uh and i i mean i don't know how much you want to say about uh later stuff but it it i was disappointed i think there's a lot in this season where they don't there's some stuff that it's like it's mysterious and maybe you'll kind of get an explanation later and there's some stuff that's mysterious and i just think never really makes sense and there's some stuff and it feels like they're saving it for I don't know if they're saving it for Daredevil Season 3 or for the other Netflix Marvel stuff, but I keep feeling like they're saving this stuff, and that, that like, I don't know, that is a thing that has frustrated me a lot with uh, superhero media in the last year, is how much stuff there is, like, where it's like, this is homework for something else, and that's why maybe it's not so great. And, you know, Marvel has been not the greatest about that. I think DC has been downright bad about it with the amount of, like, like Flash and Arrow had all this uh, Legends of Tomorrow homework. But even Marvel, there's, like, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. homework that may or may not lead into movies and now doesn't anymore because of bureaucratic reasons. But I do, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's part of, like, building these comic book multiverse tapestry things. But it, it's frustrating when there's stuff where it's like, we are not going to resolve this now because we want to resolve it later. And it's like, meh. I don't know. I, I just I wish things were a little bit more contained. Um, but I, I mean, maybe that's maybe that maybe I'm asking for the wrong thing in my giant sprawling multiverse across multiple properties that all connect together as part of the same universe. And, and maybe that's the thing, like this whole idea of connecting 
every little thing starts to fall apart because now you're dealing with different directors and, and productions that have to, you know, put a thread between one universe and the other. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. There, I mean, I think there's some stuff it's tr- they put out there that seems really cool, but then it's frustrating when it gets dropped, when they just decide, like, well, that wasn't that interesting, or, we, you know, the interesting thing about that was the mystery, and we're not going to get an answer for it. Like, I, I don't know. To me, the really cool part, in or the cool one of the cool mysteries in Season 2 is that the giant hole that the hand is digging under that building in New York City. That's right. And, like, I basically get frustrated with every episode where they don't, like, give us any more information about, like, what's going on with that. Because uh, that seems like, like, that's a mystery that I want uh, some advancement on. Uh, and, you know, you, we don't get anything about that in 10, 11, and 12. And, and m- maybe we'll get it down the road, or maybe it's just been forgotten about, because uh, there's a lot of mysteries to work with. Well, we do advance the plot a bit on this one. The DA who... If you don't hate her, um, you at least feel somewhat sympathetic for um, in this one and her kind of asking for forgiveness on a uh, sting that went completely south. Um, it looks like Frank the Tank has taken her out. Yeah. At least we are led to believe that. Yeah. That, 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 so I guess especially with episode, is it, uh, it's 10 is basically all the kind of loose ends in the Punisher's, uh, you know, kind of uh, one-man war on New York City are getting taken out, and it's unclear who's doing it. Um, Yeah, I I don't know how successful that was as a a narrative device, right? So we have uh, Reyes, the DA, gets killed, and then the the medical examiner gets killed, and then someone's going after Karen. Um, I mean, the spoiler for the end of episode 10 uh, we see Frank saves Karen from whoever is taking these people out, uh, thus making it clear that though it looks like it's Frank taking out all these people, it's clearly not Frank uh, taking out all these people. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know how I felt about that. Like, because c- to me it seemed like, well, it's probably not Frank, right? And and it's confusing why everybody else except Karen seems so convinced that like, well, that that's obviously it. And it's like, well, there is this other. You know, like evil drug dealer, especially, and this is in episode ten. We get the uh, uh, they talk a little bit about how to track down the blacksmith, right? And is I believe is that when he gets his name? Maybe it was the episode before where he got uh, where uh, I guess it's the episode before where Fisk gives him uh, the name. But Reyes admits that she's the one been going after him, um, and and gives Matt a little bit of information to start his investigation. And Um, you know, bringing up the whole blacksmith thing, that just in. You know, there's a lot of episodes in here. However, like, it just seems to me, is the blacksmith actually a character in the comics, or is this completely new to us? I am unfamiliar uh, with him from the comics. Uh, I have not read, I don't know, I've read very little Daredevil. I've read, like, a little bit of Frank Miller stuff. I think that got collected. Yeah, I don't um, I don't remember this character at all, so and it just seems I think like they put a name the person- to him. Yeah, I think the person the person who we later find out is the blacksmith, uh, I believe, is a character in the comics. Um, but yeah, this seems like uh, they they've kind of put a name a, a name to him. Um, and I don't know if it's okay to to jump ahead, but I so the, we've got the kind of confusion around hey, who's Tony, killing everybody. Tony, just yeah. let, let's just make this perfectly clear. You're the guest in Hell's Kitchen. If you want to go deep, you go deep. Okay, so. 
to me, it's a, it's a little particularly extra confusing because we have so the fake out in episode ten is who's killing everybody, and it's the blacksmith or the blacksmith's people, right, are, are killing everybody. It's to, I'm a little unclear to what end, right? I mean, I guess to just I mean, because there's still physical evidence lying around about like Reyes and and Reyes, the second in command, seems to know. Uh, plenty that they're, he's able able to tell Matt about um, Frank and how much Reyes screwed the DA screwed everything up. Um, so it's it's I, I don't totally understand what the, other than it's like it's chaotic to like you know shoot up a lot of apartments right uh, and it's certainly scary but it, it's to, it's not a, totally clear what the motivation is especially since Frank eventually ends up at the blacksmith's boat. Um, there's a guy there that he beats up and interrogates and. Maybe it's not the blacksmith, but Frank thinks he's the blacksmith until Matt shows up and says, no, he's not the blacksmith. And then in the next episode, we find out that the colonel who Frank uh, served under is the blacksmith, which I guess, I mean, did you see that coming? I I didn't see that coming. I thought that was a pretty good surprise. Okay. Um, If I used my, like, who looks bad and you've got a high profile actor like Clancy Brown, you know, wouldn't you... I don't know. He was so minor in the mm-hmm. courtroom scenes that I that was almost it it was almost kind of like uh I can't think of the term right now but just like you didn't make him it, it wasn't a cool shot or a, um who's got the gun um Oh, what oh, Chekhov's gun? Right. It's yeah. you know, it didn't feel it felt kind of like a cheat. I didn't feel like that was like, ooh, that's an interesting twist. I mean, I was kind of shocked, but I was shocked because it was like, I haven't heard from him in how long? Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of plays into the whole conservation of characters, right? There's only so many characters. So if the blacksmith is someone that we've met before, uh, maybe you'd guess it's him. I had not expected the blacksmith to be uh, someone we had met before. So I guess that that was a good surprise for me. Um, But yeah, it does fit. I mean. Clancy Brown plays a lot of villainous characters. Uh, he frequently play, he plays a, you know a, a very similar kind of evil general guy on the Flash. So he even plays a lot of like um, comic book villains and military villain type characters. Um, so maybe I should have jumped at that, but I, I kind of thought he was in and out. Um, I don't know. This season did do a good job with some of the surprising. I mean, I was totally surprised that Fisk came back. That was like, oh, oh wow, I great. didn't I didn't know that was going to happen. That was great. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I the, the pacing of it felt a little off, especially, and again, I'm kind of jumping all over the place in these three episodes, but, uh, you know, in 12, um, we find out uh, when Karen goes to interview him for a story about Frank, and she has the kind of uh, notices that somebody on the on his wall of photos is one of the bodies that she saw getting pulled out of the river from where the ship exploded, and she's like, oh, this is not good, and she's going to leave, and he pulls a gun on her. And so... We as the viewer only get him as a villain for like a couple minutes before Frank T-bones the car with his pickup truck, drags him in the woods, and puts a bullet in his head. Um, so it, it just felt like a, a very kind of rushed, right? Like we got to get to this place by now, and maybe we should have dropped more our little breadcrumbs along the way. But this is this is what we're doing. Um, and I particularly found the whole thing a little kind of confusing in terms of like where are they? 
because they get into that car and he's he's got Karen at gunpoint and they're driving away from his fancy house that looks like it's in you know upstate New York somewhere away from the city and they're driving for a while and Frank is I guess there and knows what to do and t-bones them and then Frank drags the 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 colonel up through the woods to a cabin or a right. shed yeah that I guess that was like that was the part where I was like what what where is this place is and that is I guess connected to the colonel because after he puts a bullet in the colonel's head he's just hanging out in that shed and finds a secret gun locker behind in the in the back of the shed and it's like okay did you just stumble on this is this part of his operation did you know this was here you didn't know this was here because you you discover it we see you discover it and that just felt like very like i don't i don't understand what's going on here but it was was like we we need there's, we there's, need you to have a bunch of guns by the end of this episode. Right. You have to become the Punisher fully, and this is the way we're going to do it. I almost, like, laughed out loud because I thought, this reminds me of that scene in Boondock Saints where they go into the back of this guy's, like, um, gun stock, and then yep. immediately the music kicks on, that, that, the musical cue, and it's just like, these guys are in hog heaven. And mm-hmm. we even get to see a big Gatling gun, like a big Volt. Yes. Yeah, he's got like the minigun and he picks that up. That there's your your Chekhov's gun there is the you know, That's will right. we get to see the Punisher use the giant minigun to dispatch justice. Um so I was I I, I don't know. That that all felt a, a, a little rushed. Um I I mean I did I really liked a lot what they did with the Punisher this season because I do not like the Punisher as a character in the comics and like I have never read any Punisher comics. Um uh, I have seen previous Punisher movies, none of which I think are particularly good. Um but I just I don't super care for him as a character and they actually did a pretty good job of I think telling a good Punisher story, connecting him to to Daredevil. Um the guy who plays him, I think, did a great job. Um, I thought that was kind of the strong half of the of this season of Daredevil. Uh, the weak half is everything with the ninjas. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, speaking of ninjas, you know, in episode ten, like this is another one of those disconnects. <clears throat> and I hate to just beat beat up on Daredevil on this one because I think there are some good things, especially in the series and in these three, which is again we're talking about Matt being a human being or a hero or being both. And Claire really starts to kind of spell this out and actually says it, you know, like, you know, you can at least be a human being and go visit Foggy. Because Foggy's in the hospital after being, he takes um, a shot when Reyes gets killed. And Matt won't even go visit him. Which, again, is like, are you so busy that you can't visit your buddy? But there's that there's that pull between, is who is Matt? Is he is Matt Daredevil or is he, you know, the lawyer? Who is he? And in that 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 balance, which is nice. But then there's this whole other side story which involves ninjas. Mm-hmm. And like for example, Electra is about to scoot town. And here we get in kind of a weird piece to the equation, which is this guy Jacques Duchamp. Yep. And I looked him up. He is he is a Marvel villain. Um, I don't know if you looked him. He is known as the Swordsman. Uh, he he has a particularly kind of amusing uh, backstory. His outfit in the comics looks ridiculous. Um, they, they they make him just look like a kind of you know suave assassin in street clothes for this, which is that was the right choice because he looks ridiculous. Uh, he is mainly notice, notable in the comics for being part of the evil carnival uh, that trains Hawkeye. 
uh, because uh, Hawkeye starts out as like a, a kid that ends up with an evil, ends up working for an evil carnival and becomes a hero later. Um, and, so and he, is, he is one of the like three villains who at the evil carnival, and I just I can't get over uh, the idea of an evil carnival is not being totally ridiculous and um, just not not adding much to the seriousness of comics, but that's fine. And I, I was reading in uh, Den of Geek, and like I think they had, a, they had another thing that said that this could be. They weren't sure. They, there's a guy called Jean-Paul Duchamp, who is Moon Knight's buddy. And so they were wondering, is, is it this guy? But I, I think you're absolutely correct in that it is swords. But mm-hmm. again, he's been enlisted by Stick to kill Elektra. And it yes. just, it's like, wait a minute. I, I, don't, I don't understand why this is going down. And I realize, okay, this is yet another storyline to build suspense of 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 Electra's storyline, but it starts to get a little bit garbled and it's like, I'm not, and, but the one benefit is she does get to earn her sigh in this. Yeah. One. That, that, I mean, that's the unfortunate thing. It feels like kind of like, that's the, the, the box that's getting checked here is that she gets her signature weapon. Right. That's right. Um, that, that we haven't seen her use all season. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I like the character of stick. I like the actor who plays him. Um, I just, it's, it's his, I mean, he is kind of intentionally kept kind of mysterious, and his motivations are kind of confusing, and he's not interested in taking the time to explain what's going on to Matt or to the viewer. Um, but this one felt especially a little bit kind of like, I mean, what was the point of this? I mean, did did Stick actually think that this assassin had any chance of killing uh, Elektra? I mean, you you know how um, like unstoppable Elektra is, so you sent one one assassin to go deal with that. That seemed kind kind of foolish. Um, also, I mean, ultimately, in the in the terms of uh, the story, it's kind of weird because Electra's in this fancy airplane hangar, private jet, about to leave, and because Stick sends an assassin to uh, try and kill her, the assassin fails. She's still alive, and she's now going to hang around New York looking for vengeance instead of which put, puts her kind of. I mean, as we find out later, like the hand really wants Electra. And you know what would have been great for Stick is if Electra had gotten on a plane and disappeared and gone to the middle of nowhere instead of like, nope, you sent an assassin and now she's going to spend a couple extra days in New York City. And that's actually really bad for you and all of your plans, both in terms of your people that she's going to kill uh, in vengeance and the fact that now she's hanging around and the hand can get her, right? I mean, that, that it seemed like, what, why is this scene here? Other than it would be cool to have a uh, fight in an airplane hangar and we need Electra to get her weapons. Yeah, um... It does seem a little oddball, like, and and Stick Stick's plan is so obtuse, and keeps saying the same thing, like, "Oh, you have no idea what's about to happen." Okay, well, go ahead and tell me, please. Yeah, I. It's. I mean, again, it, maybe we're gonna get that payoff later, but it is frustrating, right? And you know, some of it, it, it does kind of. Some of it works with his character because he's like, "I am dealing with some cosmic ancient." like war between two cults that I'm and one's a good cult and one's a bad cult and you're going to have to take my word for it and I don't have time to deal with you but it's also like yeah but I think at a certain point like you you need to be you know a little bit more honest with people cuz that will get you the results you needed cuz cuz this whole being being totally obtuse about everything like like I don't get it um it's it's not getting you what you need um you're just being a pain <laughs> so ninja 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 what the yeah. ninjas are at the hospital at the end of yeah. town the kids awaken, and we shift right over into episode 11, All Hell Breaks Loose, and yeah. the ninjas are still coming up the uh, walls, which 
you know, at least they used, you know, uh, rocket powered um, uh, grappling hooks, which you mm-hmm. know, I, I approved of instead of trying to uh, do it by hand. Yep. They do that thing where they cut the glass so they can open the window without just smashing the window for some reason, because later, like, a lot of stuff is going to get, uh, you know, all, all hell is going to break loose in a couple minutes, but until then, we're in stealth mode. Yeah, um, because ninjas. Yeah, and the the kids kill the guard that's watching them, which is, like, Oof. super spooky, and they're in, like, zombie mode. Um, right, and again, like, I was hoping in this episode we'd at least get some sort of understanding of what's going on because we do find in this episode that these ninja are dead they or, have or something had, yeah yeah at and, least one has a, a previous autopsy scar which um, yeah it's pretty you know i was like you know are you guys going to open them up are we going to find sawdust in there or you know what what's going on yeah and yeah and and that i mean again that's a little bit more to the mystery um and, you know, that ties in with, like, we saw Nobu die, and then he came back. Um, but it's all kind of confusing, because it's like... I mean, and again, there was the stuff with, like, they don't have a heartbeat, and they don't have... But they do, we do later find out when, you know... Because, so at first, Matt wants to be able to fight their heartbeats, and he can't deal with that, and then he can hear the, tra- the track their weapons, uh, and then later they stop using their weapons, and Stick gives them the special instructions to track their breathing... So they they still breathe at least a little bit, um, but yeah, are they zombies? Uh, it's I don't know. It's 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 a little. It's, there's more mystery, and it's also it's I don't know. I I think it does not make them more interesting. Um, it just in fact, I mean, none of the ninjas are super effective, and it's kind of the like Matt is just going to take down like dozens and dozens of ninjas. Um, it's also it, it's we've talked about it before the kind of problematic aspect of like. Just waves of waves of disposable ninjas, which in this case are the like the Asian villains that are spooky and mysterious and inscrutable, and Matt is just going to kick it, kick all their butts, right? Um, and it's in some ways, I don't know, maybe it even makes it worse that they're maybe like undead zombies or something. It's it's, I don't know, I don't feel like it's. They keep trying to pose questions, and I keep wanting to get at least a little bit of of answers before they pose more questions, and they seem super not interested in giving me any of those. Right. Uh, what do you What do you think? I, I I think the same thing. As a child of the '80s, and my love of n- all things ninjas, um, like just I remember buying Ninja Magazine for Pete's sake. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just one of those things. Like these guys could do things no one else could do, and, and so if you were like in the rank of ninja, I don't see like them being like. I, I hate to do this, but you'll love it. I think. Is the hierarchy and the business of ninja like you have guys that are designated ninja but really aren't that good? Like in my mind, they all are assassins and freaking mm-hmm. top of their game. And to make them disposable is it just feels wrong. Yeah, they don't. I mean, it it it's almost like there's too many of them, right? Like that's that's the intimidating part about the ninjas in Daredevil. And like there's just there's dozens of them, and there's everywhere, and there's the cool uh chase scene we we saw earlier this season where basically like the ninjas are chasing uh sticks car like across New York, and there's just there's just rooftop after rooftop after of ninjas, and I think it's supposed to be kind of cool and intimidating that there's so many and they can get everywhere, but it I don't know it just kind of falls flat right it's just like they're they're basically because the exciting thing about ninjas is not that there's many of them right right like right. 
you know, if we see too many ninjas that are basically disposable, and it's like, really, this guy is, I mean, you, you want each ninja to be, like, tougher than the other people that, that, that uh, Mac goes up against, right? Like, you know, the, the, the Dogs of Hells guys and things like that, and they just seem like, nope, they're just more kind of, you know, uh, tissue paper bad guys that he's just going to tear through, uh, and they don't have faces, and... I mean, they basically have almost no dialogue, and they don't get to do much. And what they do do is kind of the, like, I mean, the kind of traditional 80s ninja stuff, right? I I guess that's the part about the show that kind of feels so weak, because I feel like there's other stuff that's kind of been updated or reinterpreted, and that's just been kind of borrowed more whole cloth from the 80s. Like, ninjas, mysterious bad guys, there's lots of them. A lot of them are going to get kicked in faces and knocked off buildings, but don't worry—they're not really people, right? Uh, in fact, they may not even be alive, or are they zombies, or or something? They're mysterious. And Nobu, uh, like, literally, almost beat Matt to death. And- yes, and in fact, in in episode twelve, we get kind of a very perfunctory fight between Matt and Nobu, and Matt just kind of throws him off a ledge, and he lands. And I guess I think it's supposed to be the implication would be like. He lands on his back, and w- that would have killed somebody else. And he just hops up and has that final line of, um, you know, Daredevil must die, right? Um, and and so that that I thought was especially especially a little disappointing because it's like he was like extremely fearsome before, and like he kind of went down pretty quickly in this one. Uh, and I don't know, maybe he has died and come back. Maybe he's not at the top of his game anymore. Um, but yeah, it, there's a lot that's not great about. It. I mean, we have the, especially the like. There's the, the, the people for the hand that are torturing Stick, and so they're shown as kind of, like, extremely cruel, but Stick is tough, and he's not going to give in to their, their evil ways, and they, they're kind of not even smart enough to figure out that his delirious ranting is actually talking to Matt. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's not great. Um, there are, here's, here's, if I took all that and pushed it to the background, which I think the show kind of does, it makes a huge background to everything um these the i'll call it the ninja background there are some great interpersonal things happening like for example when karen's at the pd and then you know tells matt you know i'm working for the newspaper and matt's upset about that he does he and it seems hard for me to gather like how does no one know that she's been working for the newspaper this whole time in a, in a way that's kind of one of those Little storyline plots that have seems mm-hmm. to have fallen, like we all knew, but they didn't. Um, yeah. But the fact that she says to him, "You know, I'm not yours to protect," mm-hmm. and you know, so there's. I had. I was going to say I had forgotten until rewatching these three episodes. I mean, like the relationship between Foggy and Karen and Matt is like it's all falling apart, right? Yes. And it's and and in these three episodes, it's like. There's, I, I don't think they ever have a conversation, or they never really have a real conversation of, as the three of them. The, the one place where they're all there is at Reyes' office, right? Uh, and then they all have these little perfunctory, like, side conversations with each other. But it's like, yeah, everything has broken down. They're not talking to each other, and everything is kind of fractured. Um, and, I mean, I guess that could be interesting. Um, but it's hard also when the story is fractured, right? When we really have these two big plots going on, right? There's the Punisher, and there's also the Hand. and uh, and they're both kind of fighting for for Matt's attention, right? And he's like, that's I mean, that's kind of one of the motifs of the whole season, right? Is like Matt is all over the place. Is he Matt Murdock? Is he Daredevil? He can't show up for work. Is he in love with Elektra? Is he not? Like, or is he in love with Karen? Uh, you know, who is who, what is the bigger problem that he needs to be dealing with right now? And he's just being tugged in all these directions and doesn't know what he's doing. 
but it also means for some kind of fractured storytelling, right? Yeah. And here's something that actually will resolve itself, I believe, in the finale. But um, Foggy's kind of associate, like, uh, little um, kind of girlfriend-ish from the other uh, law firm who, you know, they're kind of just kind of uh, sleep together buddies, friends with benefits. Um, she says, you know, you did a, such a great job. We'd like to, I, there's, my law firm is, you know, is very interested in you. Mm-hmm. Which is further separation of these characters going in in completely opposite directions. Yeah. I, I like that more than I like the ninjas. I, 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 mm-hmm. I could deal with a little bit more of this interaction than, than, than the, that we're given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even some of the kind of greater continuity stuff, cause we do get little seeds of that, right? We get Madam Gao comes back, um, which again, I was not, I was not expecting that, but we have the kind of on his way to finding out what's going on, um, with the, with the blacksmith, uh, Matt, uh, Daredevil ends up in Chinatown beating up different, <laughs> different thugs. So he can t- chat with, uh, Madam Gao, um, about the blacksmith, which is kind of interesting because we then kind of have the connection there, but it's, I don't know, I was still expecting there to be more, um, and we're not going to get it because he's dead, uh, but you keep kind of expecting that there will be more connection between the blacksmith story and the other stuff going on in Hell's Kitchen. And the answer seems to be that, like, well, maybe not so much. Uh, there's just, New York's a big place, there's room for a lot of evil plans to be happening all at once. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see Madame Gao at all. Um, and to be honest with you, I thought, wait a minute, is she not a part of the hand? I thought she was, but I guess that's that was incorrect about that. You know, it was Nobu, Madame Gal, and the Owl from season yeah. one. Who were all just and again at that time we thought Nobu or maybe he is, is it's unclear now because there was the I am unclear if Nobu is part of the Yakuza but actually working for the hand, or if Nobu works for the hand but was it was convenient for people to think of him as Yakuza. Um, but yeah, so we had the basically just the, they were part of the collection of evil people that uh, Fisk had working under his control. Um, but it does it does kind of raise the question of like who was who who was serving who because I I mean I guess it was just they were all in cooperation together because we did we do have again and and uh, we have a lot of uh, reoccurrence of the whole black sky thing which was one of those threads that was left dangling from season one right mm-hmm. right um, because we have those blueprints that had black sky on them and the child that stick killed. And then in this one, we find out that um, uh, Electra is Black Sky. Yes. And we get a... Is this the one where we get the big flashback on who Electra is as a, as when she was young? Yes. So we get in 12, I believe, we get the flashbacks of uh, she's being trained by Stick, and she kills somebody in, in kind of a training exercise, and... The other person, I was a little unclear on if we're supposed to know who that person is. Seems like they're probably part of the chase. We don't we don't get a lot of information about the chase. We never get an org chart. Um, no, nope. don't get a lot. Of, we don't really get a lot of information about what they're doing. Uh, but it seems like somebody that Stick is working with thinks Electra is dangerous and that she should just be killed. And instead, uh, Stick basically puts her into hiding and um, kills him. And kills that guy. So maybe that was. I, I. I don't know. I don't know. It seemed unclear to me as a as a as a viewer. Maybe other people who know the comic book mythology better because 
there's the idea that then they, they should be like on the run, but clearly cha- uh, he, Stick is not on the run from the chase. I don't know if he starts the chase after that. I, I don't know enough about the chase, right? The hand has been around for a zillion years. Um, maybe the chase has also been around for a zillion years, or maybe they are. I, I, it's very confusing. They they do a lot of the speaking in terms of like she's a weapon and we'll need her when the war comes. And then later he's talking about the war is about to end because Electra has found out that she's um, Black Sky. Uh, I found the fight after that a little confusing because uh, you know like everyone's just stabbing everybody and Electra starts stabbing ninjas and it's like okay I guess you're on our side now. Um, yeah, it, so I don't know. It was it, yeah. it it's it's a weird balance and I you know I I just don't know and and I understand Stick from the comics, but they make him seem like some sort of immortal. And I I don't there's no proof to that other than you know Matt kind of alluding to it, you know, and mm-hmm. just saying so you were around then, but that never gets solved. <coughs> but <clears throat> It just, it's just a weird storyline that I think would have been best served by giving us a lot more details. Yeah. There's too much held back, and it especially feels frustrating because it's like, are you just holding this back so that you can have more stuff in a season three or that is going to link to an Iron Fist or a Power Man or something like that? But it, I, I don't know. I just, I felt like there was not enough stuff explained in this season and that, um, I don't know that that did not leave me like be really excited for next season, but just annoyed that you 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 didn't explain stuff for me. Um, well, and this episode does have uh, it's now not all the episodes are like this, but this one again is Frank on the on the complete brutal um, information pump. Uh, he uses um, Karen as bait. Yeah, and boy oh boy. This diner scene is rough. Yeah, pretty grisly. Uh, so probably, you know, and there were a lot of fights in these three episodes. Um, that one kind of stands out as kind of a set piece in terms of how brutal it is. Because there's a lot of just Matt fighting ninjas in like different parts of the sewer. Right. Um, and, and and even the like the Matt stick Electra fight in the chase headquarters, that wasn't super exciting. Uh, but yeah, I would say that where Frank... Uh, takes Karen and uses her as bait in the diner, and the the two hit hitmen from I, I guess from the blacksmith show up, and he uh, brutally brutally dispatches them to get an address. Um, was yeah, a heck of a scene. Well, and and after watching it twice now, well, this might actually be the third time. Like it, it's interesting how well constructed. If you're really looking at it, you know Frank keeps asking for more coffee because. He's going to end up using it. Now, how he knows he's going to end up using it, I have no idea. But he, it's almost like, I, don't ha- I only have my gun, so mm-hmm. I'm going to create as many weapons as I possibly can. And it's just, it's, it's, very, it's just a really like, kind of well-thought-out scene that's mm-hmm. extremely brutal, but um, effectiveness in the Punisher's character of yeah. being a, very, yeah. a MacGyver that will kill you. Yeah. It also, I thought the coffee thing, like that's also kind of like, it seems like in the show, a quirk of the character, right? Is that he, I mean, in the diner scene, he drinks like multiple cups of coffee, <laughs> but like we, we see him drinking coffee a bunch, right? Like he's on, there's scenes where he's on the rooftop and he's got the thermos. Yes. And like, I, I mean, I, I, is that kind of like a really subtle, like 
do we ever see Frank sleeping? Is there the idea that maybe like he can't sleep because he has like, he gets like horrible dreams and things like that. Like he is, it seems like it's kind of part of his, like he is on edge. He's probably over caffeinated and he is just up all night, hanging out on rooftops and doing his, his skulking around stuff. And he seems like he's not, you know, he's probably not getting a lot of restful sleep. It's not part of who he is as a person. Um, but I think because we've seen the, the the heavy coffee drinking Frank a bunch before, um, I think it was that first scene where we kind of meet him where he's on the rooftop and he's got his thermos, which yes. seemed kind of Ugh. kind of quaint. It really does, and and this again, each episode seems to have to bring out some themes or some ideas, and this one is you know they get to the docks mm-hmm. and start you know getting the information and basically blowing up um, the entire boat, but. In this one, Frank says, "Look, you can't go this far. You're not. We're, once you go and kill, you become me." And mm-hmm. and in some ways, he Frank is saying, "I don't want you to be me. I can be me just fine. The the yeah. we're we're I've got that part covered. I'll kill him, mm-hmm. but you don't have yeah. to do that." Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool conversation that they have there, where it's like. It, no, it's not that your means are insufficient. It's that you're failing to recognize that I have to do this, and 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 yeah, and where where Matt was like, okay, maybe just this once, and Frank is like, not so much. Going to throw you overboard, um, like that 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 was pretty good. I thought that was a good Punisher moment um, that we had been waiting for for a while to get. Um, and and here at the end, now though that spe- specific character with the blonde hair is seen for maybe a second or two. Mm-hmm. And it leads into the whole bodies in episode 12. And if you were not looking at it, it's completely unfair. Mm-hmm. Because there's no way that you're con- making that connection. And the only way they made that connection was when um, Karen is interviewing uh, mm-hmm. the colonel. And yeah. it's kind of like, wait, you could have made that. If you had given us just a little bit more of that guy, you wouldn't even have to do the flashback of them zipping up the body yeah that felt a little clumsy it seems like there should have been one extra clue about that 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 the blacksmith guys were like military or something right like it seems like that would have been a little bit more elegant of a way to like to tell that story right it was to you know karen notices that all the blacksmith goons are wearing combat boots or you know or that or somebody commenting on their like military training or something right. you know, yes that, how, yes you know their their shooting ability or something like that it, it felt a little uh out of nowhere um and again it's like i don't totally get there there seemed to be there were a lot of villains doing stuff in these uh well villains slash stick doing stuff in these last couple episodes that seemed to contribute more toward like we got to ramp up the action and we got to ramp up the chaos and not necessarily does this actually help anything. Cause for example, like those two hitmen go after Frank in the diner and he dispatches them and they get the ad, he get, they get the location of the pier from him. And it's like, why did you send anybody after Frank? Like two guys, those guys were going to die. And those guys had information that could compromise your, your total huge uh, plan. Like Frank and Karen were on their way out of the city. Just, just let them go like you know like that like the get the let the punisher go as far away from your big evil mission as you can because he is not he's not helping you well and the um, other thing is the colonel on record basically said that frank had dispatched something like 30 guys when they were all pinned mm-hmm. down and you sent two of them you know yeah. that the odds are not in your favor at that point yeah 
And they so obviously, it, yeah. you know, yeah. it was the sending the two guys to, to, to Frank in the diner, sending the one swordsman guy after a lecture in the hangar. There, it just seemed a lot of like, well, these, you know, this is not going to work, but why not? Let's, you know, um, uh, let's, let's stir the pot a little bit. Um, let's sprink, sprinkle some, you know, small groups of bad guys in here to lead up to the bigger fights that are to come. Um, but it just, it just seemed like, no, let, let Elector get on a plane and fly away. Let Matt, uh, let Frank drive, you know, <laughs> drive to New Jersey and never see him again. Um, I guess that doesn't make for a very satisfying end. Of the I season. guess it's not. Like everybody, everybody goes their separate ways, but everybody tries to go their separate ways and they get pulled back in by, uh, villains whose failed plans uh, only made their lives more complicated. And, you know, I'm not a journalist, but, you know, this is, again, following Karen's timeline and her story arc. You know, mm-hmm. she's with the, the the editor of the paper and basically like, oh, this, the story's over. And then she decides, well, no, and, and, and he kind of pep talks her of who is Frank. And so we, again... She she's put back into motion and going back to the colonel's house, and this obviously sparks what we talked about, which is she figures out he's the blacksmith. Yeah, um, I did like this the audio cue of Casey and the Sunshine Band. Um, <laughs> I I thought that was that was a nice touch, and it was a nice touch that we got a little bit of it. You know, that little foreshore- foreshadowing mm-hmm. early that was nice, and mm-hmm. it, I was like. You know, immediately I was like, "Yes, Frank's coming." Yeah, it's also it's always it's kind of haunting because we, um, though I don't, I, I think they they're not super heavy handed with it, but some viewers might know that that is that's Ben Urich's car, right? So like, it's it's almost like whenever she's in that car, which you know she gets in with Frank before, and then she's in it with uh, the Colonel again. Like he's kind of like it's kind of like his ghost is hanging around, like because it's his car with his his stupid tape deck and stuff. Like he keeps reminding us of like. Uh, uh, you know, like bad things happen to good people in this show, um, and, and maybe these good people that are on the scene screen right now, maybe things are bad things are going to happen to them. Um, and they do. When, once uh, Frank does go into the uh, the back nine and get into the colonel's shed, who I can only assume it's the colonel's shed. We don't know that for sure. Um, that's that's the part that like that's just confusing to me. And it's like, okay, so you just I mean, was this your plan or you just happened to drag him up into the woods and there was this shed here and this shed just happened to have all these guns in it? Because like, yeah, that's like, wh- why is this here? It, it that that part. I don't know. For for some reason, I mean, maybe we were supposed to just be like, oh, look at all these guns. This is really cool and badass. But to me, it's like, what? Why is this stuff here? And it's not even locked up. It's just behind like a hidden panel. Um I don't know. Like that, even both times I've seen it, it's just like I feel like this is more confusing than it is that it fall. It fails at being cool and excited for the Punisher because it's just confusing. Yeah, I mean, um, it's because it seems like the Punisher has his own little you know warehouse of stuff, and so you've given him mm-hmm. another warehouse in order to give him the body armor that looks like mm-hmm. the Punisher skull. Yeah, which I gotta say. As a fan of the Punisher, I loved it. It was it was just just enough. I was just like, "Ooh, that's pretty cool." But you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense tactically. But you know, I put that aside. Mm-hmm. It is comics, yeah, you know, I, and I accept that. I mean, I know what I, mm-hmm. why I'm watching it. I mean, mm-hmm. but I have in my notes here, <clears throat> and we've touched on it, but I need to say it out loud here because this is where we really get it. Electra is the black sky, and how does this make sense? Mm-hmm. I, it, I didn't. 
again, when we heard about in season one, I didn't realize it was going to be a person. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen anything magical about Electra. Have you? No. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to spoil things for episode 13 for people who haven't watched anything yet um, and, and what stuff happens. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's it seems like... There's some. They, there are a lot of questions, right? And and because we, we had that kid in uh, season one, and he didn't do anything magical or supernatural either. It was just we were kind of s- filled with kind of spooky thoughts because Dick was like, "We need to deal with this kid. He's this per- this weapon, the black sky." And then it happens to be like a kid who's like chained up in a box, um, and Matt won't do it, and Stick later takes care of it on his own. Um, so it seemed like, I mean, maybe there's the implication more of not what they're capable of now, but what their potential is. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it, again, it raised more questions because it's like, wasn't Black Sky also that kid? So is there more than one Black Sky or is it someone who has the potential to be Black Sky? Um, it is confusing. Um, and especially to me, it was a little confusing where like the ninjas all like laid down their weapons and were like, like you know, bowing slash kneeling to to Electra for like a couple minutes before a fight broke out again, right? Right? Because it's like, well, I mean, is she in charge of the hand now, or is she a weapon, or or what? Right? It, it I, I don't know. It's 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 convoluted, and it's you know, it seems like mysterious Orientalism that doesn't really make any sense and feels very out of place in a, like a, an updated uh, comic book story. Um, and I don't know, maybe they can save it with where they're going for stuff, but it's just, it's, it, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, um, I, and, and this spans back to season one. I thought Black Sky was something in the realm of the Iron Fist universe, like taking a universe and bringing it to another one or creating some sort of portal or a net, you know, something to take over. I guess the world, they they never say the world, it's always the city, which, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's comics. I understand that taking over cities is kind of like what you do, Um, but I thought it was much bigger than just one person, and usually when you have fantasy things happen and it involves a person, usually that person somehow explodes or is the link between two worlds, and I, I just, I didn't see any of that, that, that kind of science fictiony part um especially that we know uh iron fist is coming yeah and uh you know just having read uh the matt fraction iron fist stuff uh so there's the idea that you know iron fist is this kind of representative of um uh, a mystical city where he gets his mystical extra magic kung fu from and then there are other mystical cities um that have their own kind of champions uh, some of them who are like Iron Fist is, you know, he's your superhero, so he's your particularly good ones, a uh, good good kind of representative. You've got other cities that have more kind of uh, neutral or even villainous uh, representatives, uh, and one of them is, um, uh, oh, I'm going to say it wrong, is it Steel Serpent? Silver Serpent? I think it's Steel Serpent. And we saw in Season 1 the symbol for Steel Serpent on, uh, I believe, the heroin packets that Madame Gao's organization was uh, circulating. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I, I would assume that that's going to play into that uh, somewhat. Um, but it's, I don't know, maybe Black Sky is another uh, mystical warrior um, or will become a mystical warrior that, that uh, uh, Iron Fist has to deal with. Um, 
but yeah, it's, I don't know. I just, I want a little bit more resolution, especially just, I, I don't know, maybe my, maybe my expectations are unreasonable. Like, I, I would like the idea that these Netflix shows be a little bit more like, you know, this is part of a larger universe, but what we're going to do in this season will be like nicely contained. Um, like I thought they did a pretty good job with that in, uh, in Daredevil season one. Absolutely. They seem Absolutely. Le- much less interested in doing that in Daredevil season two. And maybe that was like back when they did Daredevil season one, it was like, uh, eh, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're not sure where all this stuff is going yet. We don't know how, I mean, I think they did not know that there would be a season two of the show. I think they knew that they wanted to do a bunch of shows and then a crossover show. Um, but uh, it it did not work out that way. Um, yeah, so. and especially the dragons on the heroin. It's just like, you know, and we already know Madame Gao is not just a simpleton old lady um, that will just fold. She gave Matt a one-inch punch and sent him across a room in season one. I mean, she's not, she's not this frail little lady, and she's a, a boss of an organization. And like this, this season, again, didn't know I was going to see her, but she ends up not being the character she was in season one and leaving these breadcrumbs for other shows, I think becomes like you were saying, it just becomes problematic because then you're never really satisfied. You never have, well, there's a show that we know of that you and I are very close to called the flash. Um, and that happened to us there as well. and. It's kind of, guys, just tell the story. You you know how to tell a story. We know you do. Just go ahead and put bookmarks on it. If you wanna, if you wanna attach other properties to it, do it over there, and we can make the connections. It's okay. You don't have to be heavy-handed with um, sprouting out these these little thread counts. Oh, and I don't know. I mean, is maybe is am I being unfair? Maybe this is what comic books. Uh, you know, look like when they're ad- adapted for the big and small screen, and and you know, because I am willing to put up with a lot uh, in comic books, I guess, because I'm just used to it. I mean, I was, uh, I read a lot of comic books, and you know, some of my favorite comic series have uh, a plot that will take place over the course of hundreds of epi- uh, hundreds of issues. Which, when you get ten to twelve issues a year, like we're talking about a story that t- that like takes place over a decade and that's a long time to wait for a story to like to play out and and for some reason i put up with that uh with comics but it feels a little bit more frustrating when it's like well you guys left a lot of threads hanging here what come on clean those up i don't i don't want to you know don't don't save all of it for season three see i Um, i will go to i will default to my junior high self and i sometimes enjoyed crossover events in comics but most of the time, even then, I was kind of jaded because, so, like, a guy that I really like, like, say, Daredevil, and you're mm-hmm. going to cross him over with somebody that I really don't care about, and I know that you want me to, as a, as a Daredevil fan, to go over to, let's say, Iron Fist land, and mm-hmm. I'm not maybe real into Iron Fist, but so you're just basically making me buy comics for a story that I can't complete unless I go and buy some other other um, issue of and title that I don't normally get, and that is a disservice to me. It's like if the shows are good, we're all gonna watch. You don't have to guide me to watching that show. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, 
It and you know it. This is this is a problem with comic. I mean, I am a, a very big Batman fan. Uh, there are multiple ongoing monthly Batman titles, and sometimes the uh, they each have kind of their own twist, right? Batman and Robin has Robin a lot. Uh, Detective Comics tends to be more focused on Batman. Um, but it, you know, I have to say it's pretty bad that like they seem to all assume that you're reading all of the monthly Batman titles and like major things uh, can happen in another title that you're not reading, and that's like very bewildering. And I don't know, maybe that's not the best thing to carry over <laughs> into the uh, into the to the TV shows. Um, and, and I don't know, I maybe I'm I'm, I'm too uh, too spoiled from the uh, kind of wanting the HBO model of very self-contained seasons and things that are short and 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 really put together. Um, but I mean, there's there's still a lot I like about Daredevil. Um, but Daredevil season two did not land as well for me as as season one. Um, I think I was more excited about uh, Jessica Jones, which is a much darker show um, as as far as uh, stuff set in the Marvel universe for the small screen this year. Um, and so I'm not, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll tune in for for Daredevil season three. Well, sure, but. I'd like them to to tie in to tie a little these a few more of these threads up, and I don't know the ninja stuff. It just it doesn't work. Uh, I feel like they really didn't uh, kind of update it in any interesting way. It's it's just it's it's stuff stuff from the '80s that I don't know. I don't know if it worked in the '80s or at least we put up with it or tolerated or maybe we liked it, but it that doesn't play as well now. You know, 25 years later. No, I, I think what drove me to the character so much was not only, and I say this loosely, you know, he is one of the only handicapped um, heroes, you know, or superheroes in, in the universe. Um, but, you know, is he really, well, that's to be decided upon, but um, I always liked his interplay with other people, not these where he would take on everybody. Like, that didn't mm-hmm. excite me at all. It was these, you know, his struggles were much more interesting to me than. Um, sometimes his his these big heroic acts that that mm-hmm. was more interesting to me, um, and it was you know that was what you know Miller had brought to the table, which was you know this guy who's very conflicted about about who he is and and what he should become. But, yeah, and and that's okay. Now I will I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a slight spoiler, so just bear with me. But they do leave a thread in the finale. For Jessica Jones, which I found to be mm-hmm. kind of interesting that they did it then. I, I thought I that that was the wrong time in my my thought what to do it, but you know, there it is. And it's like, so you're doing all this finale stuff and you're just gonna push threads out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the show. I do love the show mm-hmm. and I love the character, so you know, this is why this is why you're here, Tony, is because mm-hmm. you're you're kind of my therapist and 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 bring and saying, look, there there are some issues we got to contend with, and I'm not afraid to co- to confront those issues. Yeah, and it's you know it's hard. I mean, they did a lot with having all these characters kind of being driven apart, and that was the big part of the story. But in some ways, like that's hard. And you know, maybe season three is them coming back together or realizing they have to come back together for the sake of hell's kitchen or whatnot. Uh, but I guess that, that was hard for the viewer because so much of our kind of, I, I don't know. I think a part of our enjoyment in season one is like the team and like, right. Uh, how they're united under a common cause. And, and I guess it's, it's, it's a, it's a little sad that like 
the team gets kind of kind of broken up and it's not like the team gets tested and then rallies together and overcomes adversity right it's like no they get they get blown up they're all sent spinning in their different directions and are each going to get kind of really tested in their own ways right um and i mean it's you know that's a it's a it's a darker kind of more potentially more complicated more interesting story uh but it may be less enjoyable than than the other type of story right and see um, i i'll go back to empire strikes back Everybody at the end it falls away. We get we have a problem, and mm-hmm. we did like, but but arguably a very satisfying movie. So mm-hmm. couldn't we? Couldn't couldn't you put that? Put them in the pit. Make things go badly, and then you know, come the third season, we're on our way to getting out. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yes. It's hard to, you know, hard to evaluate Empire Strikes Back on its own if if we don't know if there's going to be a Return of the Jedi, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> or we have to wait three years to see it or whatnot, right? That's that's rough. Um, but um, I, I I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm I'm interested to see where they're going to go. It's you know, uh, I don't I don't know what the iron uh, the uh, Iron Fist show is going to be like, and if that's going to be suffer from a lot of the. I mean, will that have some of the problems that this season two of Daredevil had, but worse? Uh, with mystical ninjas and and you know, white guys doing kung fu, uh, or may, I mean, maybe it'll be better. I don't know. I'm not super hopeful, but I'm interested to see what they do with it. Because um, he's I mean, not a real popular some... character either. So you've got to no. do origin during the season. I mean, you've got to. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. It, I I mean, I'll stick with it. Uh, it's always fun to to watch it and to talk to you guys about it. But uh, I I had higher hopes that weren't really lived out. I mean, the the big thing. I think they did do a great job with the Punisher because I was just so not interested yes, in the Punisher. Absolutely. And I was when I saw that the Punisher was going to be in it, I was like, ah, oh, I don't, I don't want to watch that. And they, they totally uh, blew my expectations out of the water there. Uh, they made him interesting. They, they found a good way to tell that story and to, to put him in this real world setting and, and connect him together with people. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know. I don't know. It's just it's really hard for me to to deal with the ninjas and to take them seriously, especially because I mean, like this this is a trope in comics that has like been beaten into the ground and and lampooned so much, right? I mean, uh, there's the we've we've talked about it with the incomparable people, but uh, I I've enjoyed the Tick comic, uh, and the, there's the famous Night of a Zillion Billion Ninjas or something like that, where you know the Tick fights through just like disposable uh, ninjas and there's it swarms and swarms of ninjas. There's jokes about like you know just how uh, ninjas are not uh like credible bad guys and they're all kind of incompetent i think there's a i think that that i'm remembering that comic correctly i have it on my shelf somewhere there's a scene where like 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 a uh, suburban people in a car like hit a ninja as they're driving their car down the street and they stop and they're like oh i thought it was a, like a like a golden retriever and it's just a ninja never mind let's keep going um and like you know that that's a comic from like 20 years ago right like ninjas it's hard to take them credible there i mean i've I'm a big fan of uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which has the Foot Clan, which is like started as a parody of the Hand from Daredevil. And uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was is heavily from basically it's 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 weird to trace that path because it's been so like rebooted and reinterpreted. But like originally started as basically a send up of Daredevil and the Dark Gritty. Oh, I know. Uh, I mean, I 80s. I was a huge um, fan of the Eastman Laird. Yeah, I mean, the black and white comics were incredible to me, and. Yep. I tried to watch the cartoon, but it was just such w- a a bastardization of it. I just couldn't get over it. I'm younger, so I grew up with it and I, I consumed the cartoon and uh the like the friendly kids Archie comics that were set in that universe and sure, all the sure. stupid action figures. I had tons of those stuff. Um 
But like again, it's 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 hard to take like this is like they're trying to go back to that like what let's pretend that ninjas are still spooky and totally credible as a villain. It's nineteen eighty one. Nothing has changed. And it's like, no, it doesn't it doesn't work anymore, guys. Like the the world has moved on. Um <clears throat> Though I will uh, tell you and especially there's a cool movie, and I think you might have seen it, called Ninja Assassin. Which I believe I've seen Ninja Assassin. My that's pretty gosh. Good, that's a pretty good action movie. That yeah. those are ninjas. So if you but the, and the the characters are ninjas, right. right? I mean, that's like that's part of it. It's it's rough when they're just like ninjas are. You're just your villains, right? It's like you know we've got Nazis and we've got Soviets and we've got ninjas and we just put them in there and you know they're bad and you can nobody feels bad about you know running over a ninja, uh, but it's just it it doesn't it doesn't work. It's kind of cheap um, and empty. And do something more. Make them characters. Make them have motivations that are not just spooky and you know and vampiric and you know zombie esque and right. like what 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 is going on? Um, yeah, stakes. Yeah. Well, Tony Sindelar, it has been a delight. Yeah, uh, I'm so glad that you you came on for this one because we need we needed to do something like this. For a while. And plus, we haven't talked to each other since, well, well, that's not entirely true. But, you know. Literally days. That's right. Literally days. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> we, we, we play with, we'll play with time here. Yeah. But we do have some other stuff coming, don't we? Yeah, we got, we got summer, summer flash homework. That's so. right. So, the, just, you're not rid of me yet. That's right. So, for all of you who are listening to this and... Don't listen to the Flashcast, which I think you should. Um, we have summer work coming, and we are doing Flashpoint, the, the Flashpoint Paradox, which I That's highly true. recommend. I watched it again yesterday, and I'll watch it again before we do the show. Oh, wow. That's commitment. That's what I do. That's a that's a great animated movie. I recommend it. So I'm going to watch it again before we record because I've only seen it. I think I've only seen it once or twice. So and I like it. But yeah, but fans of the Flash or future fans of the Flash who are just looking for to dip their your fans of Daredevil want to dip dip your little toes into the uh, the Flash universe. That's a that might be a good starting point. Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to live, but uh, check it out. I think you should just do it. Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. Good night, everyone. All right. Goodbye, nerds. 